upload the podcast with just the bits of me going, ah. <laughs> so I can't imagine how frustrating that would be. So, oh, yes. Time to listen to my favourite podcast. Let me put these headphones directly into my ear holes and then just the me's going, ah. Just the immediacy. Oh, man. What's the worst thing you've ever had when, like, having headphones in? Oh, God. Um... I don't particularly know like a specific example, but I think just the worst thing is when you're like maybe listening to Spotify or on YouTube or something, and you just get that one like video or one piece of music that's so much louder than everything else. Oh, I fucking hate that. Uh, the loudness wall. That's like a thing. You're not allowed to do that anymore because loads of advertisers in America realised. Yeah, if we um, like, uh, there's a certain loudness you're allowed adverts to be. So what they were doing is just basically just cranking up theirs to be the absolute maximum that was allowed to be. Oh, my God. And then getting complaints about it. It's like, because the idea, and I think the joke um, a comedian I like, uh, Lee Evans, makes about it is that's the advert shouting after you when you're leaving the room. <laughs> so during, like, tea, the show ends and it's the adverts and you're going over to make a cup of tea. It's like, hey, where are you going? Yeah. What? Hey, get back here. And they legitimately, like, get complaints about it in America. And um, a story I heard about it was, um, it's from Ken Lobb the director of uh, Killer Instincts, amongst other things. Oh, right, okay, yeah. What the, the, They utilise this because, again, there's a certain loudness, things are allowed to be in arcade. For the Killer Instinct cabinets, um, what he did is he just set the regular volume to be really, really, really quiet and then set all the c- combo breaker and all ah, that stuff to right. be three times as loud. And he <laughs> said, because I knew that when the person who got the cabinet was installing it, they'd go, okay, so the music's a bit quiet, turn it up. Uh, they, right, and yeah. they, they wouldn't play the game yeah. they just plug it in and check the music so, okay the loops are loud so that means when like combo breaker went off it would come up four times as loud as anything <laughs> around it like, you can weaponize and utilize that in a way but most um, players just use it to fuck you off I mean the thing is I don't mind it so much if it's like oh well you know you're an arcade cabinet in a like busy loud arcade it's like that's one thing but when it's Oh, uh, advertisers screaming down my ears while I've got like noise cancelling headphones on. It's like that. Oh man, the best bit about that is no one can know why you scream. Exactly. Not when that gets you. Well, anyway, welcome to episode forty of the Carl's Corner podcast. Yeah, we've hit number forty. That podcast naughty at forty now, isn't it? Oh god, no. It used to be flirty at thirty. Now it's naughty at forty. So it'll be nifty at fifty. Oh, that's hitting yeah. me pretty hard now that we're getting to, like, late 20s. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you call it late 20s, as I always tell. Well, I'm a year younger than you. You are a year younger than me, and I'm 30 next year. Oh, God. Which means it starts to become uh, more, it's less impressive that I work online and just more depressing. <laughs> which is why it's probably a good thing that I've actually become somewhat of a success. Yeah, yeah. Back when I was a struggling writer, oh, yeah, I'm, like, 22, 23. What do you do? I write for a living occasionally work in a bar. Mm-hmm. As I was getting closer to this, I better fucking start putting some roots down and getting a career under my belt. Because <laughs> yeah. it's only going to get worse. I need, like, and speaking of, getting a career under one's belt, like, fuck it, we're getting straight into it this week. Okay. There's a, because there's a story that has made my blood boil. And I'm, Lucas, I'm, thank you so much for bringing it to my attention. <laughs> and you probably know exactly what it is I'm talking about, so would you like to introduce the story? Uh, yeah. The at home. So this is like the the second coming of one Philip Mewson. Yeah. AKA um, Dickhead. AKA mass plagiarizer and just huge tool. Yes, and um the backstory to this particular tale 
of the interwebs is uh, what the Mr. Philip Mushin. Is that how you pronounce his name? I don't care. He's um, a dickhead. Yeah, fuck him. But um, he was accused uh, one or two years ago of plagiarising a review of the video game Dead Cells, a great video game. I recommend people go play it. Totally. Um, to which his response was, I don't plagiarise reviews. I've never plagiarised anything in my life. I invite anybody out there to find anything I plagiarised. Um, which people took as a challenge and found out not only did he plagiarise this review, he plagiarised dozens of reviews he'd written yep. and even plagiarised his own fucking LinkedIn page. <laughs> which is amazing when I found that out. From a website called How to Write a LinkedIn Page or some <laughs> stupid shit like that. So massive unapologetic, because I was thinking he never actually apologised for being a plagiarist. A massive unapologetic thief. So when think- um, people, uh, people, you know, there are some sects of the internet that are seen defending him, saying he has apologised, he made a quote-unquote apology video, but never really actually fucking apologised. And never admitted to fault. And I think that's a lot to do with the word plagiarism, which is a very specific thing. It's like, you know, we're stealing the work of others. Yeah. But I think theft, it has, like, harsher connotations. And that's what it, it, li- it is the intellectual equivalent of theft. Yeah, and... And the reason I get so worked up about this, I've been a writer for 10 years, and before that I was in university. Mm-hmm. Um, academic dishonesty is a thing that gets you thrown off of virtually any course, if you've got a good university. Yeah, yeah. Uh, academic dishonesty, like uh, plagiarism, paying someone else to write your um, uh, essays, um, generally just not doing the work yourself, will immediately have you disqualified from most university-level courses. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, my... And, might even get you just completely barred from ever taking part in that course again. Yeah, probably. Uh, in the field of journalism, it can have you blackballed, rightfully so, from the entire industry, because the only real thing you have going for yourself as a journalist is your credibility, and plagiarism completely destroys that. And without credibility, you are basically worthless in that field. Yeah, I've seen um, a few people say, oh, look, this is not a little thing. Like When I went to journalism school... The first fucking lesson is do not plagiarise. Like, it's the cardinal sin of the profession. It is. It's the worst thing you can do because um, not only does it make yourself look bad, it makes the entire like publication you work for look bad. It does. Because um, in the world of writing, there are things called editors. And, for the, and mistakes fall on their head. Mm-hmm. And um, like editors, like the relationship they can have with a writer can vary. Some are very hands-off, some are very hands-on, but it's largely informed by the trust they have in their writers or yeah. how much or little they give a shit. And so this guy, by plagiarising, not only ruined his own reputation, heavily damaged and tarnished the reputation. Was it IGN he wrote for at the time? It was IGN, yeah. Because he was so, um, like, uh, what's the word now? Um, damn it. Oh, man. I wish there was someone else's words I could just copy to make my point. If only that was a thing. He was indignant about being accused of plagiarism that IGN initially had his back. Uh, yeah, while they were trying to investigate what happened, they were like, oh, look, we don't... We have never had signs that he's plagiarised before. Let and us look into seems, it. And he seems really upset by this, and we, yeah. uh, we support him. If he says he hasn't plagiarised, we're, like, you know, we're inclined to believe him. Turns out that was all a huge lie massive huge big lies and as you've like we've now seen on the internet from that point turns out this guy is like a massive manipulator a manipulator of people 
Yes, and that's the thing. It's like serial plagiarism. Because here's the thing. People don't plagiarize by accident. It's not a thing you do. But nobody accidentally copy-pastes someone's work, puts it into Word, changes around a few of the words to make it just look different enough where you might get away with it and it's going to pass through that. So, like, turn it in. And then submits it, puts the byline on it, and gets paid for it. Yeah. That's not something people do by accident. That is a concerted, like, that is a concerted effort to defraud and manipulate and, like, um, just steal the work of somebody else. And I know it doesn't really change the fact that, like, plagiarism is plagiarism at the end of the day, but I think, to me, at very least, that one of the worst parts about it was that he specifically went after, like, small writers and YouTubers to plagiarise them so it know- wouldn't be as noticeable. And it doesn't set off as many red flags because, oh, yeah, this has got 5,000 views. I'm writing for IGN. The, like, the crossover between these two audiences is going to be very small, so the odds of me getting found out are a lot smaller. And uh, I draw a line as, like, like plagiarism is, is theft, but there are, like, multiple levels to it. And one like, the bottom level is just laziness, and that is literally just copy-pasting from something else, like copying huge paragraphs from Wikipedia and putting it into an article or an essay or something like that. That's yeah. laziness. And I think that is more forgivable than what Philip Mnuchin did, which we'll talk about in a moment, because... Lazy people are probably not going to succeed anyway. Yeah, probably not. Right, it's, um, it's an old Patrice O'Neill joke, uh, Rip in Peace, a comedian uh, who was asked about the subject of joke theft, mm. uh, which is like a huge issue with comedians because you can't copyright of course, trademark yeah. jokes. So there is no legal recourse for a comedian if a, their jokes get stolen beyond public shaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are like several high-profile comedians who've gotten away with and made a career from stealing other people's jokes. Mm-hmm. And there was, um, I think, Robin Williams famously was known privately in the world of comedy as Robin Robin. Oh wow! Because he would turn and be, and it was known in the industry around when he performed that if you were on stage and you saw him in the audience, don't tell your best stuff. Oh really? Yeah. So he's one of those comedians, and obviously he went on to do his own thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Even like the upper echelons of the comedy world were not. Not no to do not do this, and uh, he had this amazing, amazing breakdown of it, which I've like taken and incorporated into my own life in terms of creativity. Which is, yeah, it's annoying when someone steals your jokes. It's, it's frustrating to see someone else tell one of your jokes, but I can always write more jokes. They clearly can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his point is that even if they steal your jokes, it's annoying, but. I know in my head I can write more because it's my job. I'm a comedian. I'm a comedian. I know that my mind works in a way where I'll always be able to write new material. Yeah. They can't because they they have to rely on stealing mine. I guess and that's I a thought, really good way to look at it. And it's the same like if someone is just copy pasting huge chunks of stuff from Wikipedia and then because uh, you probably see it with like stories that go around every now and again about people basically paying other people to do their degree for them. Yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, I, oh, I paid someone to write my essay, or I just copy pasted a huge chunk of it, and they got away with it. I see that as being lesser than what this Philip guy did because, yeah, they get the end result, but because they're not actually learning any of the knowledge, mm-hmm. and they're not, they're literally putting zero effort into doing it. The odds of them succeeding are massively diminished because the moment they are asked to apply any of the knowledge they supposedly learned independently, they won't be able to and they're going to crumble and fall. Exactly, yeah. Uh, there's a really great, if people want to watch a really great video of this, uh, there's a comedian that I quite like, Lee Mack. Uh, very good comedian, uh, very is, talented yeah. one, probably one of the quickest wits in comedy uh, today. I think that's uh, fair to say, yeah. He's an amazing comedian and there was a series of Australia's Got Talent 
where a comedian went on stage and literally just told Lee Max jokes. Literally, you can find the wow. videos comparing them. Like the guy, and like, this is the thing, Lee Mack is not a small comedian. He's a very, very famous, well-established comedian in Britain. And this guy yeah. went on stage on Australia's Got Talent and told his jokes. Holy shit. And the interviews with this guy are amazing because his justification for it is, yeah, uh, I, I just thought that I, w- I was translating his jokes for a new audience because, oh. Lee, because Lee Mack doesn't perform in Australia. Oh, God. And I, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because there is this... Ama- like, this got found out when he was, like, set to go into, like, the... Like, when they sat being live shows. Oh, my. Like, he got through <laughs> the preliminaries, and then when it aired on TV, like, their Lee Mack jokes. He got found out, had, like, this horrible train wreck interview where he tries to defend it. Oh, God. And then, for his next appearance on the show, wrote his own jokes, and they are fucking terrible. I can and imagine. he crashed... And he burned, and it is glorious. And it's made all the better when you know. He's like, well, I'm going to write my own jokes for this set then and show that I can do it. It's like, well, that's what you should have been doing from the start. It is, but yeah. You, but let's see how good your jokes are, and they are awful. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, you know what? Go ahead, prove yourself. And then as well, the entire crowd's against him because this story broke and was massive news yeah. in Australia. <laughs> and it's so fun to watch. Oh, man. And that's like a perfect encapsulation of this, of like, when they get found out, because they're, they clearly don't have the talent to do this thing on their own, mm-hmm. they're going to get found out, they're going to crash and burn, and they're going to fade into obscurity. Of course, yeah. But then you have people like Philip Mewshin, who didn't copy-paste, he didn't just steal. He put effort into his stealing. He did, like, he did. Like, he covered his tracks. Like He didn't just go and copy-paste from someone else's review. He took their review and changed the words around a little bit, mm-hmm. which is an extra additional level of effort. That means he knew what he was doing was wrong and tried to hide that fact. Which I see yes. as being worse because it means that in his head he knows that what he's doing is wrong and he's literally trying to cover his tracks. He's like, I need to obfuscate the fact that I've stolen this stuff just enough where there's plausible deniability. And, and I've also that- seen that like when his work has been published, um, he's had... I don't know whether this was like before or after he got found out, uh, but he's had like a history of trying to get like the original videos that he stole from taken down for plagiarizing him. Yeah. Oh, okay. To try and cover his tracks even fucking further. Oh, okay. And that's I mean that's is that extra level of being a dickness that I yeah. think makes his play like, plagiarism is plagiarism, but like what he did that little bit worse because there was a knowingness to what he did. Mm-hmm. It wasn't done out of ignorance or laziness. It was or naivety done, or anything. Yeah. No, which is it's not an excuse, but it can diminish. And the responsibility I feel you should have to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Like, being an idiot is not an excuse, but at the very least, people can stop being a fucking moron. People can yeah. learn to stop being stupid. Like, you can be you can be taught. Like, but it's very difficult for me to, like, buy that somebody has stopped being a manipulative, weaselly arsehole. Exactly, yeah. And fuck this guy, because recently he came back. And Lucas, you oh, like, you made me so mad yesterday on stream. <laughs> I got mad because it's like, this, this is my bread. I've had people stealing from me for years. Yep. I've had jokes, I've had articles, I've had entire things I've written stolen. And the story I always tell is uh, my most popular joke I've ever written. Not the best, but the most popular was... The Rollercoaster Tycoon. And the Rollercoaster Tycoon yeah. joke, which people have probably seen in some form online, which is when I play Rollercoaster Tycoon, what I would do when I was given the mission to make a part that was better than my rival's, 
was to build a roller coaster that launched people directly into the air into my opponent's pack, mm-hmm. where they would crash, killing, uh, where they would crash and die, lowering my opponent's pack rating and sending people into my pack onto my death coaster. And that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, is why I, sh- I shouldn't be given any modicum of power ever. <laughs> and before anyone says, no, there are no missions in any roller coaster tycoon game where you can see your rival's pack. It's a joke. It is. The reason I post it online, because I am aware of that fact, but I had wrote a bit about video games and thought, if it sounds like, in your head, it sounds like something you remember being able to do. It sounds plausible enough. It sounds plausible enough where you might be able to, like, that Mandela effect of, yeah, I remember that. Even though it's not quite true. And it's like, okay, and then I posted it on my Facebook page to see if that was the case, so I could tell it on stage. So the last thing I wanted is telling that joke on stage. So going, you can't see your rival's park in yeah. Roller yeah, Coaster yeah. Tycoon. Uh, that joke subsequently went viral. Um, it was copy-pasted everywhere online with my face blurred. And, the and reason, your name blacked out. And my name blacked out. And the reason this is so uniquely frustrating is because I eventually did tell that joke on stage at a live comedy event to which some guy loudly piped up, you stole that joke off Facebook. And it's like, I stole it off my fucking Facebook. To which I responded, no, um, I wrote that joke, funny story. Someone copy-pasted it from me and posted it online. No, you didn't. You stole it. Oh, no. And, uh, you can, I cannot I emphasise how uniquely frustrating that was. I was. I was so mad. I am being told I've stolen my own jokes. Bear in mind, I was pissed off about this because the funny, uh, I wasn't really that popular or known online at the time. Yeah. It was the first thing I ever had go viral. And it didn't have my face on it. And I was pissed off. Well, it's not even that it didn't have your face and name on it. It's the fact that they blurred out your face and name. Like, so that you wouldn't get credit. And it was everywhere online for a while. And I never got any credit for it. And then to be on stage telling that joke and be accused of stealing it. And then have that guy heckle me and come up to me after the fact and go, well, you did steal that joke though, didn't you? I said, I fucking didn't. I wrote it. You know what, as well, like, I think I've mentioned this to you before. I had seen that joke online and thought it was funny. While I was friends with you... And didn't know I wrote it. I didn't know you wrote it until, like, a year later you posted, oh, I remember when this got fucking stolen from me. I was like, wait, I've seen this joke, like, online on Reddit or whatever. Yeah. Oh, God. And little did I know that it was just your joke. Yeah, so my um, experience with plagiarism doesn't probably... Um, line up with a lot of other people's but it's one one of the reasons I hate it so much mm-hmm. is that I have experienced the accusation of being accused of plagiarism and it sent me into a frothing rage I've, I that's one of the things that made me stop performing comedy because the bet the funny yeah. the most popular joke I'll ever write I can never tell on stage again mm-hmm. because I will be accused of stealing and it's my fucking joke and I get so mad at the idea of plagiarism because the usual response from people when they get accused of it is like, well, it's not a big deal. It's like, it fucking is a big deal. These are people's livelihood. These are people's reputation. When it comes to with. writing, it's the biggest deal. Like, that's it. It's the biggest one. It's the biggest problem. And then, so Lucas, what happened yesterday? Uh, I don't even know if it was yesterday oh, okay. or today. What happened recently with Mr. Philip Mewson? Recently, uh, Philip Mewson, like, Put out on his YouTube channel, which still obviously has a following. Mm-hmm. Uh, back from like, I think he was a YouTuber that got hired at IGN, mm-hmm. and then he's gone back to like put his apology video on the YouTube. So he has a following there, and he posted a 
quote, like, very honest review of Dead Cells. Mm-hmm. The original review that he, um, he was found out for plagiarising. And what makes this especially fucking nice? One, that guy never apologised. Again, he put on a vil- apology video that was he, no fucking apology. Yeah, it was one of those non-apologies where he didn't actually admit fault and he refused to like explain what he did, which is not an apology. No. It's a deflection of blame mm-hmm. to try and um, assuage people's anger, which evidently didn't work. Um, two, fuck him. <laughs> and that's like just no first and foremost. And then three, three um, in his review... He joked about the fact that um, he plagiarised. Well, even like, the title is like, oh, ha-ha, remember that time I plagiarised? This one's going to be from me. Yeah, he's made light of it, and he's also, as well, uh, now making himself out to be the victim because people are refusing to allow him to enter back into the space of video game review, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but this was this guy's entire career, and it was ruined. And I'd feel bad, but fuck him. I don't. Well, it was ruined by him. Yeah, he ruined it himself. Yeah. Knowingly and with, like, like the sneakiness of um, a, a career criminal. Yeah, it was all done in malintent, and the, the actions that he's had since being caught have only proven more to me how much this guy is just a weaselly little fuck. Yeah, as I said, like, there are two... I see there are levels of plagiarism. There's, like, one that's done through... Um, naivety and just laziness. And mm-hmm. what, what, what he did is a step beyond that. It's plagiarism plus. <laughs> yeah. it's the next level of plagiarism. It's like it's, it's plagiarism EX. It's DLC for it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the ultimate level of plagiarism. It's like it's the plagiarism. Uh, what's the Street Fighter 2 one? Like plagiarism turbo? Or like super hyper fighting turbo? <laughs> Some shit like that. Yeah. And the fact that he is now complaining that people won't let him forget that he stole from people, it's like, no, fuck you. Because, um, yeah, in response to this, uh, I, I believe he's the Xbox editor at IGN, uh, Ryan McCaffrey. Just told him to go fuck himself. He, he just tweeted back, fuck off. Yeah. And then he took a screenshot of that and tweeted out, being like, I'm the victim. How unprofessional is this? It's like, oh my God. I, I'll be honest though, he probably is an expert on things that are unprofessional. <laughs> of all the things that he can claim to be an expert on, that's the one that I agree with. He is an expert on unprofessionalism he is. in journalism and games reviewing. It's like, man, I do not feel bad for him. Like he not only took his own career down, but again, as we've mentioned, like that tarnishes the reputation of the company IGN and everyone that worked with him. So I do not like fucking like question the fact that people at IGN are like, yeah, fuck off. It's more like you sat there and you just see him weaseling his way back in. It's like, fuck off. Yeah. Like, why do you want, like, oh. It reminds me a little bit, actually, I can speak, it's like the only thing I can really speak to my experience is my experience as a writer. Mm-hmm. And I have experienced a couple versions of this because the website that I have got my start in writing was Cracked. Yes, Cracked.com, huge, big comedy website, maybe not as big as it used to be, just because that's the nature of um, online content creation, just and things move quickly. like, controversies that I've seen, apparently, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I can go into those, and they're like, they're intriguing, because I've obviously got a, I guess, a, a view from behind the scenes. Yes, yeah. Uh, so, my position there was, I was freelance, I never had any official uh, position in the company, mm-hmm. but uh, I was the most prolific British writer for the site, you were up there as like one of the most popular contributors in terms of a number sheer, of articles, weren't you? 
Yeah, sheer number of articles contributed and yeah. written and bylines on the site. Other people, I was the always proud. I am the most prolific British contributor to the site because if you went in terms of sheer numbers, uh, for freelancers, I think I was like seventh. Oh, okay. But bear in mind, I was seventh, and I've been writing there. I wrote there for a grant of like two, three years. Mm. And people have been writing for the site for six years. I overtook, <laughs> and as a result, I got really into that site because I was there, uh, researching, writing, and then spending time just with the people behind the scenes. Yeah. Like just to get into the the voice, the mindset of the channel, and then you make friends through that. So I had a view, a window into it to a degree, and there was a couple of people I saw there who did go on to become. Um, either full-time contributors or editors behind the scenes, layout editors, that sort of thing. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, cool. And there was, um, I stopped writing there, I think, almost 10 years ago at this point, but still kept, like, a touch base. I don't read the site as much anymore, but Is I was it still... that long ago? About that, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm my last byline on the site, and um, I've touched base with people every now and again, and I try to follow the, the general news and the inner workings of it, because, yeah, it's a big company. It's, it's how I got my start online. Of course, yeah. I was yeah. curious. And when there were a couple of big stories about it, was it got bought out by a, uh, a huge company who then immediately laid off all of the video editing staff. Oh, wow. And it had um, one of the best um, video editing teams on the web, in my opinion, at least. You know, it had Michael Swain, Daniel O'Brien. Um, um, then you had um, oh, so, Soren Bowie. Yeah, um, Kate, Will- Kate Willett, a couple of the ones like some really I, big names. I watched a lot on. of the um, cracked like after hours, cracked after hours. Yeah, yeah, and that was like that that team on there and people that now I follow individually, but I didn't realize that was what happened. Yeah, and um, like cracked was it never managed to surpass uh, college humor, but I'd always contend it was smarter than college humor. Yeah, um, I definitely think it was a bit more intellectual on it. But I, that's just me tooting my own hocks. I wrote for there. But I, yeah, they had some really super talented people working there. And then I come and I've discussed briefly before how, how Facebook basically ruined everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. The reason so many sites pivoted to video back then is because Facebook um, gave out massively inflated viewing numbers for videos on Facebook. And what they basically did is they counted every uh, one or two seconds of a video as a full view. Well, that included people scrolling past an auto-playing video. Yeah, so literally every time you scroll past and see any annoying sponsored video, anything that like your friend has shared that you don't give a shit about, every time you scroll past and it has one second to just start that video, it's that that's a full view apparently. Yeah, Facebook counted that as a view, and uh, they hid that fact from advertisers to get massively inflated advertising revenue. Because like, wow, Facebook can, for some reason, guarantee us 20 times the retention of viewing numbers than every other video service on the web. That's not suspicious at all. No, but if those numbers were real, I can't, like, I can't really question the judgment of anyone to look at those numbers and go, holy shit, we need to be there. Yeah, and obviously other websites saw these numbers and like, well, fuck, we better pivot towards video. And that's why there was that period in, like, the 2010s, 2009s, where every single news website, every basically every website that produced content would make videos and have yeah, auto-playing yeah. videos at the top because that's what they were told is like this is what people read. And it turns out, no, more people by and large read articles and still read more articles than they do watch videos. Yeah. And that came out a few years um, later during a deposition of Facebook. And it's like, oh, 
the, what are the real viewing figures? Oh, they're like not even 1% of what we were claiming they were. They are Holy a fraction shit. of a single percent. And bearing in mind, companies like Cracked had put all of their resources into producing video content. And then overnight found out that 99.9% of the viewing figures were basically not real. And advertisers in response pulled all of their advertising almost simultaneously, basically leaving these massively expensive... Because making videos is very, very expensive compared to writing an article. Hosting videos is very expensive compared to hosting an article. So all these companies like Cracked had massive, essentially, cash sinks that weren't making any money because there's now no profit in it because every advertiser is terrified of putting um, advertising against video content because it's basically worthless now. Oh, God, that is so rough. And, like, they, unfortunately for them, like, took... You know, Facebook was a a big company and still is a big company. You take their metrics at face value, and unfortunately Mm -hmm. that meant so many people, like, as you say, crap, just going, well, fuck, this is where the money is. We need to invest now. And what they did is they put people who were, like, professional editors... Um, to make videos instead and what happened there was when that came out the the pig company when cracked went uh, w- video editing sack them off jesus and the story goes because i knew the people who worked there and i got like some of the behind the scenes info and uh, they literally found out via a phone call when they were about to record oh like some no. people like bear in mind they uprooted and moved to los angeles yeah because yeah, they yeah. were oh video editing is going to be massive and they built an entire um, office and studio and paid people to move across the country and they found out at work when they were in the middle of recording oh you're fired oh you're, you're done and, and like as said, well moved. when you've been moved over to la and it's like the price of living over there oh that's so fucking wrong it's like you no longer have a job yeah and some people managed to stay inside uh, just as editors and things like that on a massively reduced rate because they're no longer being paid video appearance fees yeah. But you're now living in a part of the country where you had no job. You're now, now in a super expensive place and you don't have a high-paying job anymore. And it fucked over so many places and loads of people just jumped ship. And some of the big names I mentioned there, like Soren Bowie, he now writes for American Dad. Yeah. yeah uh, Michael Swaim uh, writes movie scripts. Daniel He's um, at IGN now. Is he? Yeah. Good for him. I love Michael Swaim. And then um, Daniel O'Brien writes for Last Week Tonight. All right, cool. And then, like a lot of the bigger people, they just like got, oh yeah, why would we not want these super talented editors and comedy people? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then Cracked has been hemorrhaging money ever since and been floundering for relevancy. But uh, that's just like you know a meandering side note. But the big important thing is a couple of years ago now it emerged like it was on just on the cusp of the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm, yeah, like, a few of the people who worked there were horrible sex predators. And uh, some of the names I can confirm, um, like because they were publicly outed and just um, they were people who were like somewhat high up in the company. So I don't feel bad for like, you know shit talking them. Are John <laughs> Cheese? Uh, he was the right hand man to the website. He was best friends with the runner of the entire site, um, uh, Jason Pargin. Okay, and was one of the OGs of the comedy writing world. Like he used to write fucking um, articles back when Cracked was just a forum. Like he oh, would wow, write okay, just, yeah. he would like wrong he would just write long forum posts and things like that. Um, one of the biggest names on the site. And then there was another one was Josh Sargent. 
who was um, got started about a year after I did and was one of those people who rose through the ranks and went from being a freelance contributor to just working fully like, with the site. I know he's one of the people who they moved over. Right, yeah, yeah. And yeah. ended up taking like a more behind-the-scenes role um, to save his job. And it turns out that Mr. John Cheese had uh, been using his position as editor and as a like an influential voice on the site to just sexually harass um, female writers and new female <sighs> writers and send them sexually suggestive messages. And then when they were like, I'm not comfortable with this, um, basically gaslight them into not telling anybody. Yeah, and that's like, obviously, you, you see that a lot, either the the person who's committed it or... You know they'll they'll report it to like HR for example, and it gets brushed under the rug. And exactly as I mentioned, his best like his best mate ran the entire site. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so he, like he knows that he's in a position of power and probably won't have much happen to him. Exactly, and it's one of those things where it went on for years and years and years. And then Josh Sargent was just a generally abusive dickhead. Right. And yeah. like he was like dating someone else from the site and had done awful things. And there were just like stories told like in the Facebook groups I was still part of, but didn't really check that much. It's like, and I just charged it was a drama. It's like, oh God, that guy's an ass. Yeah. And the reason this uh, reminds me of the Philip Mewshin situation is because, like, when it first broke, like, look, um, one of the people you've got on the front page of your website every fucking week is a horrible, manipulative asshole and has been abusing women. And especially on Cracked as well, and they took a very harsh stance about this sort of thing. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and they, they take, like, they write articles, like, breaking shot this shit down. They'd like to... Like, you are speaking from a position of like high and mighty, um, but wouldn't melt. Like you need to fucking ne- like get this nits in the bud now. Mm-hmm. Um, the immediate response was, well, let's just wait and see. Oh no, we need to wait and see. Like all this thing about believing women, no, nah, no, nah, but it's my mates. So we need to wait and see. Oh, and the reason this reminds me of the Philip yeah. situation is because um, in the forums, uh, behind the scenes, it was legitimately being argued by people that is it right to remove John Cheese's articles because he is a horrible, manipulative sex predator because they've helped some people. Oh, God. And I saw that and I got so mad and so angry at my response. I posted, like, for the first time in, like, five years. Mm. I do not wish to be associated with a website who would even entertain this idea. Please remove all of my bylines from every article I've written. I don't care. Okay, so you don't have bylines on there anymore. I do, because eventually they removed all John G's articles. Okay, yeah. Because other writers saw that and started joining in of like, yeah, remove my bylines too. And it's like, maybe it's not a good idea to let this person keep doing this. And I saw a similar conversation going on with the the Philip Mewson thing when it all came out. Should we take his reviews down? And Well, that wasn't a question from IGN, but that was like a question... That like fans were saying and readers were saying is, uh, yeah, but you know you shouldn't really take the reviews down because they were reviews that were relevant at the time and they had a very firm stance of no, we are immediately taking down these reviews and getting re-reviews made by different people as soon as we can, and that's the exact fucking like method you need to have. Uh, we you won't lose reviews for that game. You'll get actual credible fucking ones though. Yeah, and like I just remember seeing that with Cracked when there was a genuine argument happening of, is it right to remove these articles? Because John Cheese's articles have really helped me, but it's been written by a guy who abuses. Like The, the mere existence of those articles is one of the reasons that he was able to manipulate and sexually harass them, um, uh, 
just basically make these women incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. And feel so, lesser and in some cases destroy their self-esteem. Yeah, don't leave him with any modicum of that power. Or success. Like it's the only way to address this is to completely like you've got to nuke it from orbit. You have to nip out you have to nip it in the bud. Yeah, every last bit of it. Like it's it's um it's probably an extreme comparison, but it's like cancer. You cut it out. Yeah, you're, like you obliterate it with radiation, or you cut it out completely. Extreme comparison, but one that is very true of just you've got to get that shit completely out of the system. Because if any modicum remains, it can spread again. Yeah, and that's the thing, and it's like the Philip Mnuchin thing of oh, shouldn't he be allowed to come back? It's like no, because what he did is so toxic and so poisonous and so horrendous. Merely allowing him to have a career or a comeback emphasizes that oh, it's bit plagiarism isn't that bad. It's like it fucking is. Exactly, that sets a precedent for, oh, well, you know, he's had the slap on the wrist and plagiarism is okay in the end. It's like, oh, man, yeah, John Cheese was, like, using his position to sexually harass women. But it's okay if it's like, no. And one of the things that I remember about that situation, and it made me so, so happy, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I could talk about this now because it's been a while, mm-hmm. but um, there's a website called bunnyears.com, and they scooped up a lot of cracked writers um, in the day. Right, okay. Like, you know, um, when, um, like, the just the advertising shenanigans were happening. Yeah. And they managed to, like, get a lot of their editors and just, like, get a really solid stable of writers. And that website is apparently really good to work for. And when that happened, they immediately removed John Cheese. When he found out, they said, um, uh, we're going to offer resources to all the women who were affected. We wholeheartedly apologize for anything you suffered. We will excise it. And bear in mind, this is a much smaller site than Cracked at the time. And they still made this stand. Yeah, good. And year, and that site is owned, I believe, wholly by one Macaulay Culkin. Ah, oh, okay. That's where I've heard the, the name of the website then, yeah. Yes. And one of the reasons I'm bringing this up is because, uh, fun fact, people can choose to believe me about this or not, but it actually, it happened, so fuck you, is I was reached out to by bunnyears.com mm-hmm. um, to potentially provide content for them for Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, and I did see this email. Because I can they were confirm. Pl- because they were planning on doing a Mac fax based on, I shit you not, this is a th- this is real. People can say I'm lying, but I know it's true. Uh, based on my articles and the Fact Fiend channel, of which Macaulay Culkin is a fan. <laughs> I shit you not. And that deal fell through because, you know, pandemic. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Presumably, uh, presumably they didn't want to move forward on that idea. But I remember... I was really drunk when I got that email initially and didn't think it was real <laughs> and sent them a really sarcastic email back of like, yeah, I'd love to work with you guys. And then found out, no, it, yeah, we, we actually are the guys from Bunny Ears. Macaulay wants to work with you. Are you free for a call? I'm like, oh, God, no. Because, like, you were just in the office telling us and we were like, wait, what? Yeah. It's like, and that yeah. deal fell through and I'm a bit disappointed, but like, that's what happens in business. And it does, like, yeah. A lot of things don't come to fruition in the end. When you're creative, you have a dozen ideas and like half of them are going to go nowhere, half of them you're going to work on and then it's never going to go anywhere anyway. <laughs> but I remember, I distinctly recall like, when I messaged them and they said, would you be open to working with us? I specifically singled out their response to that. Yeah, and yeah. I've, I've, I was so impressed by your response to immediately cut ties with this man, uh, even though it was like, you know, a, like, a big risk economically. But you did it anyway, cause it was, and they said because mm. it was the right thing to do. I made a mental note that if the opportunity ever presented itself to work with your site in the future, either, or whether it was like me just applying, going back to my days of freelancing and thinking of somewhere to apply, mm-hmm. I would. And they said, thank you. And that really made me happy. Like, yeah, they knew there's some good guys over there. 
Yeah, and that's a lot better. That's than, the response. But I've also made as you say, like crack just pussyfooting about it, going, "We'll see what happens." Maybe it'll blow over. And by the same okay. token, I've made a mental note to never, ever work with crack.com ever again. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Because of that awful, awful response of maybe let's see. And yeah, then yeah. the editor of the site doing the very, because it's something Philip Mution's been doing of um, anytime people would talk about it, say, this is not the time to talk about this. So, no, we try to discuss, like, you know, whether it's right for you to have a sec, a, like you know, an accused sexual predators articles on your open on your website. Yeah, that's yeah, a legit. Yeah. That's a thing we need to discuss. And it's like, no, now it's not very uh, prescient to talk about it. It's like no, it is. It's not even a thing as well. It's not even a discussion, especially no. as well when he wrote um, an apology because he admitted to it. That's why I don't feel bad about calling him out because he <laughs> did the same Philip Mution thing of he wrote an apology but not an apology. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm sorry for what I did while never actually specifying what it is he did. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, fuck you, John Cheese. And the reason that was so good is because the lady who originally like, brought it all to light, um, Talia Jane, um, excellent writer. I um, encourage people to follow her. She does some good stuff. Um, wrote a breakdown of his apology saying, I refuse to accept it because it's shit. And yeah. just broke down why this apology is so shit because it's like you never not you know you don't acknowledge a single thing you've done and mm-hmm. you're placing the onus on me to forgive you for you being a prick. Yeah. That's not how apologies work. No, it's not. You don't get to be the victim in this scenario after using your power to victimize others. Fuck you. And I'm like, yes, that's the correct response. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and I like, say like you should never uh, put it on the person to forgive. Like. The end of the day, it should always be in the other person's power to be like, no, I get to decide like whether I can forgive you or not. Not you turning around and going, I'm asking for your forgiveness now. It's like, you don't put the pressure on me. That's not how it works. It's also the thing as well of, it's not an apology. No. Like, there's like, I think it's the, it goes around every now and again whenever a YouTuber has to apologise. For doing some awful thing. There's been a lot that of vi- shit lately. That video that that guy made again, I forget the name, but is like, oh, it's every YouTuber's apology, and it's like you sat on the floor, you wearing like your sweats and a big and a baggy hoodie, you got no makeup on, you got red around your eyes, you've always been crying. It always starts with the, well, and yeah. then it's just you walk around the actual problem for five minutes with lots of jump cuts between your sentences while never actually addressing anything you're apologising for. It's like, fuck you. Yeah, no. and I, um, I saw someone, I won't like point out exactly who it was, and it was someone in the Smash community talking about not something that like they've done, um, but just you know addressing the whole shit show in general. And they were like, made a point to say, I am streaming this live so that I won't cut out any of this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's like how to make a statement is, not, oh, I'm going to record something for half an hour and cut it down to a three-minute video where it's very choppy and I'm trying to specifically think about every single word. Like, the PR response. Mm-hmm. It's just, no, I'm going to openly talk about this. Yeah, because there's um, nothing... Uh, there's like, uh, there are things, but like one of the things that really frustrates me about this is the, the response that was very obviously drafted by a PR person. Like, the, uh, the non-apology apology of like, oh... Uh, they put the, they just put out a blanket statement on social media that's a screenshot of something they wrote on Notepad. It's like, oh, yeah, have yeah. the fucking balls to directly address what it is you did. 
Because this and it's great always thing. the I've learned from my mistakes. Well, what was your mistake? Are you going to admit to it? Just no, I've learned from it and I'm asking for forgiveness. Uh, please don't talk about it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to find it because there's a great image. Um, uh, where it's like how to make an actual apology. Oh, right, okay. Uh, da, 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 da. So I'm going to try and find the breakdown of like, how an apology is the thing. It's da, 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 da. Oh, Carl, just figuring it out. He's like, he's trying his best. He's trying to find it. Yeah, here we go. So there um, we there's go. M- there's multiple versions of this out there, but um, this is a breakdown of an uh, how to make an actual apology, not like a wishy-washy one where you refuse to admit any fault. And it is. Uh, step one, include the words, I'm sorry, or I apologize. Don't say, I regret, or some variation thereof. Mm-hmm. Right, because, again, you're apologizing. Don't say, oh, like... I regret if anyone has been hurt by my actions. No, fuck you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for what I did. And then, moving on, like quite handily, take responsibility. Name what you did. Specify what you're apologizing for. Don't refer to it as the incident or other examples thereof. Don't try and distance yourself from the thing you are trying to apologize for. And I'm sorry if this sounds really obvious, but so many of these cases have people doing the exact opposite of this because they know. Yeah, like, there is a reason that people get paid to write responses like this. Because you need to be able to, like, it's, they're all crafted in a way where you never actually have to say what it is what you did. It's like, and the example that always springs to mind for me is PewDiePie's apology for saying the N-word. Apology in big words where he never actually admits or says what it is he did. Because Mm -hmm. if he did, then he'd have to have that voice clip out there of him admitting that he said the n-word and that's what they never want because they don't want that to exist but they also want you to stop talking about it so they make this shitty non-apology apology where they never actually admit any fault anyway moving on the third one this is the most important one is show that you understand the impact of your actions on the other person that's a good good point to make there yeah like, yeah and that's something you never really see isn't it? it's like they always say i'm sorry if you were hurt they never say like why people are hurt or they never like you know try and um just theorize why what they've done may have hurt another person or put themselves in the position of the people they're apologizing to you know show basic human empathy yeah it's um again just always trying to like skirt around the facts of what they did and it will always um be put in the perspective of i like didn't intend to do this it's not let's look at the perspective of the other person and talk about it from their point of view. Mm-hmm. It's let's talk about me and how it's important to me and my life. Yeah, it's just maybe, as you say, have a bit of fucking empathy. Put yourself in someone else's shoes for a minute. Yeah, uh, don't try and distance yourself from the thing that you are trying to address. And then fourth step, if possible, explain how it's not going to happen again or how you're going to make reparations. And usually it's just, I'll never do it again. I'm really sorry, guys. I've learned from my mistake. It's like, fuck off. It's like, how? Uh, if you have learned from your mistake, demonstrate how. Explain how. And explain it's, what you're going to do. And there's a lot of um, talk about like companies lately, now that there's been another kind of movement of people coming out and talking about 
um, you know, harassment and allegations and etc. etc. And yeah. a lot of companies have just come out of like, we're sorry, oh, we're sorry, we will be better. So how? how? How are you going to do better in the future? Yeah, and that's the problem. You'll sit again going to these like shitty YouTuber apologies and like the, even the John Cheese one, which is a hilarious read. Because you know it's been it was written by a guy who the day previously was doing everything he's supposedly apologizing for. Yeah. It's like, oh, I only apologize the instant I realise it'll affect my bottom line. Yes, I buy this one one hundred percent. Well, it's the classic of I'm sorry I got caught. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I'll never it's I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to try harder to be better as a person. How? Yeah. What are you specifically going to do to avoid this happening again in the future? And then finally, this I think this is a really good point that's often left out of like many apologies. If you're not sorry, don't apologize because it's better to not apologize than issue a bad apology, which sounds <laughs> yeah. like a dick move, but stick to your fucking guns. Like most of the people making these shitty non-apologies are assholes anyway. Just commit to being a dick. And it's not that it will, you know, necessarily be any better for you in, like, the short or long term, but at least don't try to half-arse a fucking apology that everyone's going to see through immediately. And uh, you know what the best bit about that is? I think this, uh, this will uh, really put into perspective the emotional maturity of the people we're referring to, like, who are unable to admit fault or just make a proper apology. That's a guide for kids. Oh. That was a guide for children about how to properly make an apology when you hurt somebody. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And it's good advice, but yeah, if. Yeah, think, I think. Like, when think you, about that. An adult and needs to be told, like. Literally, here's how we explain to children yeah. how to understand what you did was wrong and how to say sorry for taking someone's toys. And I think one point I want to add to this uh, this guide is not a, not applicable to children necessarily, but one thing to not do is when they always do it, they always either start or mention in the video, you know, it was a real hard time for me. I was going through some shit. No, don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care how hard your life was uh, because uh, a lot of people are struggling and, and a lot of those people, when they're struggling, they don't actively go and make other people's lives worse. Exactly, and it's just that always moment of, oh, I'm going to try and make myself the victim a little bit here. It's like, like, fuck off. No, you're not. It's like I've been going through a real rough time struggling with depression. It's like, yeah, a lot of people do. And you know what they don't do? Go out and sexually harass people. (laughs) And yeah, a lot of the people that, like, whether or not the person that you've harassed has been suffering, they are now. And you've made the world a fucking worse place. And it's that thing of it goes into again distancing, because mm. it's like a really it's a really subtle thing. But when you notice it, and I'm, I'm pointing out now, I'm hoping you like you keep an eye out for this in the future. If you hear someone, you see one of these um, big um, apologies from a famous person or a creator or something, um, where it's just any little thing to make it so like to make it seem like the person, like the person who did the things that they're apologising for, isn't them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything that they can do to make it like oh. I apologise for my actions. Um, I wasn't feeling myself. That sort of thing. Because mm-hmm. well, you were. Because this is the cl- this is the clearest window into yourself. We're gonna get. Because this is how you act when you think nobody's watching and you're not going to get caught. This is in fact this is the best representation of who you are as a person. Yeah. Because this is the kind of stuff you do when you think you have nobody else watching. Yep. And in fact, the response that you're giving to this is the fakest part of it. 
yeah, it's so true. It's always that like, one, is it? It's, uh, if you want to see what someone's really like, like see what they do when no one, they think no one's watching. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was um, a great um, like, collection of interviews, like interviews with uh, prospective um, employers. Like, uh, what something an employee did that like a prospective employee did when they were, when they didn't think anyone was watching that made you like want to hire them. And one was, oh, I was just saw a guy sat in the waiting room, and he walked across the room to pick up a piece of rubbish and put it in the bin. Oh. And no one, no one was watching him. Like, he didn't have to do that, but the fact that he sat there, saw it, and went, "I'm going to fix this problem," made me realize this was probably a good guy. Like just that little window into their personality was enough for me to think this is probably someone I want to work with. That's a really nice little uh, thing, yeah. But it's one of those like minor things, isn't it? Where you don't really, like, it just says a lot about a person. It's such a minor act, but yeah. I, I, it made me decide then and there. Like, he was equally as um, uh, qualified as the other candidates I had, but that act then made me think, okay, maybe there's more to this person than this piece of paper I have in front of me suggests. I give them the yeah. chances over someone else, and they're one of the best workers I've ever had. <laughs> I just thought uh, that's always stuck with me, that one little thing mm-hmm. that, that yeah, person yeah. did, of just like nonchalantly just picking up rubbish, making something their problem even though it wasn't supposed to be because they felt like... I know it's like picking up a piece of rubbish is not a big deal, well, that is to a lot of people, considering there are a not um, insignificant amount of people who will literally just throw rubbish on the street. Yeah, and be- I think because it says they it all don't... of, not that it's a big problem, more just the fact that they went out of their way to just make something a little bit nicer. Mm-hmm. Just that's all it needs to be, is just a little bit of effort. It gives you a little glimpse into that person's personality and who they are as a person, where they don't think they have to put on... Um, a mask or a face because everybody does yeah yeah, yeah. to some everybody, degree everybody just, does even in private when they're like oh, not in private but in private with other people like yeah even with loved ones and things like that people tend to put on at least some kind of a mask or they like change who they are a little bit and that's like kind of just naturally the way humans work it's not something to feel called out on or feel like annoyed about no, it's, it's just how acts. people are just everyone acts into it, and that's why I like that thing of a oh, that's not who I am as a person. So it really is, because that's what you do when no one else is around. That's like the most you thing ever. Yeah. Like how? Why do you act less... Like Why do you not act the way you do now in private? Should it be the other way around? Yeah, exactly. Like if that's not who you are as a person, wouldn't that be the way you act when you're not in private? Mm-hmm. And that never gets brought up, and I kind of wish it would. When you see one of these shitty, wishy-washy apologies and someone says that phrase... Why doesn't someone bring up? But it's something you did in private. Yeah, true. Like, why yeah. don't like Why don't you act in private the way you do publicly? Then why do you act differently in private than you do now when you don't think you've been watched? Mm-hmm. I know, man. It's just a very like awful, awful way to quote unquote apologize for things. Of just like yeah, the classic of I was going through a rough time. That's not the way I normally am. And it's just man, like no, yes, and the it other, is. The other classic of "I'm sorry if you were hurt," because you're yeah. not apologising that I'm hurt. You're apologising for what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why I've probably said it multiple times, but I really, really like the analogy I came up with. It's probably not unique, but it's, I'm fairly certain I came up with this independently while just brainstorming. Oh God, Carl, have uh, you been plagiarising thoughts? I might have done it. I'm oh, really no. <laughs> paranoid. About, I'm really paranoid about this. I can get into that afterwards, but it's um. Um, 
the analogy or metaphor or whatever, so I'm, well, I'm half wrong, half right, hopefully, of when you offend somebody, replace the words offend with stepped on their toes. So, oh, for right, example, yeah, yeah. Uh, we can use Ricky Gervais, because I, I fucking hate that guy, he's a prick. When he's out <laughs> there going, I'm sorry if I offended you. Like, and he gets, and that's like his whole shtick of saying offensive things and then making fun of people being offended. Yeah. And like, it's a whole thing online of like, oh, yeah, people get offended by everything these days. Like, imagine, like, you know, for a moment, that like, instead, like, just mentally replace the words offended someone with steps on their toes. Yeah. And this is how I always pitch it. It's how I've explained to more people. And it's turned a few people's, like, it's at the very least made them, like, do that thing where they go, huh. I never thought of it like that. And the way I've approached it is that we can use an example from my own life. Okay. Uh, one time in a fact theme video, we were talking about Scooby-Doo. Yeah. And we were referring specifically to, trust me, it's going somewhere, folks. Um, and the new series of Scooby-Doo, it's What's New Scooby-Doo, I think it is, or Mystery Incorporated. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. But it's a series of Scooby-Doo where there's an overarching plot. And something me and Brad talk about when we were recording that episode is that um, the character Fred is obsessed with setting and laying traps. Mm-hmm. Because Joey and all of this thing is Scooby-Doo where whenever they want to catch the villain, Fred will set a trap. Yeah, yeah, and there's always and they, like a plan in place of like you do X and Y and we'll catch the villain. And they basically turn that up to 11 and make it so he's just so obsessed with the ideas of laying and setting traps. And okay. he's always formulating how to set traps. And they even catch him reading a magazine. It's like, oh, it's a dirty magazine. And he's like, no, I'm not doing anything. And they pull it out from under the bed and it's traps monthly. And it's like a box with a stick holding it up. Oh my God. And it's like a magazine about how to lay traps for villains. Yeah. And it's, it's a really dumb joke. And me and Bradley talked about that. And I was reached out to by a fan who informed me that that's a really, that term, trap, is used um, as a slur against trans people. Oh, okay. Uh, the yeah. idea that a, a trans woman is a trap. Because, oh, you thought it was a woman, but no, it's really a man. And I was so fucking... Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, yeah. But I thought in my head, this is where I have two options. And option one is the Ricky Gervais approach, as I call it. And it is just, I'm sorry that you were offended. I didn't. I know I didn't mean to hurt anyone when I said that. So fuck you. Yeah, or, yeah, basically. And I sat down, because I formulated, it took me about an hour to write the response to this person. I sat down, I thought, well, I know I didn't mean to hurt this person. I know, like, it's a completely innocent mistake, but innocent mistakes can still hurt people. And that's when I came up with the stepping on someone's foot analogy in my head of, let's say, for example, I stepped on your toe, Lucas. Yeah. And you come to me and you say, Carl, you just stepped on my toe. What would be the correct response there? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Yeah, I didn't. I'm sorry, mate. I didn't mean something your toe, and that's probably where that interaction would end. Yeah, yeah. And even if that happened with a complete stranger, say I'm in the street with a complete stranger, I step on that stranger's toe. So, like, oh, oh, you just said, to me, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's like you know, be a bit careful. Say, so, yeah, I will. Keep my eye out next time. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's just say, and you can say the same thing. I said something, and it offended a person. I didn't mean to, but it still did. Yeah. yeah. You can't. I can't change the fact that it did. You can't so deny much. the fact that they were offended. So I'd say, oh, I'm really sorry I didn't mean to do that. I'll try to, like, you know, avoid doing that in the future. I'll try to avoid stepping on your toes. Yeah. Now imagine in that scenario, you do the Ricky Gervais thing of you step on someone's toe and they turn around and say, oh, you just stepped on my toe. Well, it was a fucking accident. What are you getting so offended? What are you getting so mad at me for? Now you've made it a problem. 
Yeah, and I've actually had somebody literally respond in a similar way when I said, mate, you stepped on my toes. Well, I didn't mean to. Why are you making a big and deal it, about it? And it's like, oh, well, fuck off. Obviously, it was a mistake. And it's like, oh, I know it's- so now you've become an aggressive. So it was a mistake, but now you've made it into a whole thing because yeah. you can't admit fault, even when you know it was an accident. And doesn't that work really well? It does, yeah. And then you can even go to the next level of it of, oh, let's say a person is continually stepping on my toe. After a while, I'm going to stop believing that it's an accident. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's say one person, every time I walk past them in the hallway, steps on my toe. And the first time they say, sorry, I'm like, oh, fair enough, it's a mistake. And then they do it again and then again yeah. and then again. After a while, I want to start thinking they're doing it on purpose or they at the very least don't care that they're stepping on my toe and they actually don't mean that apology of I didn't mean to do it. I'm sorry if it got... I'm sorry if it like hurt your toe a little bit. And now replace the word stepping on your toe with repeatedly saying the N-word in YouTube videos. Yeah. And let's pretend the person who's stepping on my toe is uh, called PewDiePie. Don't those apologies start to ring a little bit hollow after a while? Yeah. Of, oh, like the first time, maybe it was a mistake. The third time, maybe something's going on here. No one accidentally steps on someone's toe three times in a row. And I will say as well that, like, in regards specifically to, you know, people using racial slurs, is me me and you have said this in the past, is, okay, well, you, you can apologise and say you didn't intend to, but why is that in your regular vocabulary anyway yeah. to the point where you'd shout it out accidentally? Which is a whole other kettle of fish. It is, go, yeah. back, go back to the offended thing of, oh, if someone says a joke like that, and they apologise, but then they make the joke again, and then again, and they keep making these transphobic, homophobic, um, racially discriminatory jokes over and over again, and then apologise mm-hmm. when they, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realise that I was offending people. It's like, you do now, because it's been pointed out multiple times. Yeah. And it's like, um, Jeremy Clarkson is a great example of that, where he has had to apologise multiple times on the BBC, like for, in episodes of Top Gear, using racial slurs. Mm-hmm. And every time he's had to do that, his apology rings a little bit more hollow. To the point um, where now he's just like, for other reasons as well, not allowed on the BBC, right? Yeah, and it's that thing, and it's like, you go Ricky Gervais, where it's like, oh, oh I, but it's not a comparable example, like the offended thing and stepping on someone's toe. Of, when you're, you're intentionally stepping on people's toes and then making fun of them for saying you hurt my toe. And it's specifically regards to like Ricky Gervais, for example, when he... Um, I can't remember which award show it is that he he often hosts, but when he does that, Golden Globes. yeah, the Golden Globes. Um, he essentially finds out like who's in the audience and intentionally writes offensive jokes towards them, and then the day after you'll see it's a big controversy as he like takes shots at every single person in the fucking crowd, and he's like, "Well, it was only a joke." And it's like, but you do it every year, and you intend to do it every year. Yeah, and in his comedy shows recently, he's like taking a lot of swipes at trans people. Like he's literally made um, "I identify as attack helicopter" jokes. Oh no! And then says, "Well, I'm sorry if people are offended. It's like it's my right to tell these jokes. It is, but like the same way that people laugh when you tell jokes, people can be annoyed by them. And it's really funny as well. Like the reason I like singling out Ricky Gervais for this is because he makes such a big fucking fuss about people getting offended." His comedy mm. and people going, it's like people go out of their way to be offended by anything these days. He name searches himself on Twitter to argue with people who say he's not funny. <laughs> That's why it's so amazingly ironic. It's like the same guy who's like, 
People get too offended by anything these days. People need to take themselves less seriously. Name searches himself on Twitter to argue with people who say he's not funny to yeah. tell them how rich he is. <laughs> and it's like, fucking hell. Like, it wouldn't be as funny if he listens to like, and, he, and clearly, he's a massive hypocrite. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's what makes it so funny. But um, to go back to that thing that I did, I thought about this and I made a really heartfelt project. It took me an hour and a half to write. I apologize, but it's like, look, I no. I, it was a completely innocent mistake, but that doesn't change the fact it still hurt you. And I wouldn't want anyone watching my content to feel hurt, whether intentionally or not. I yeah. wholeheartedly apologize. And I got a few people like applaud me for that um, uh, apology, which I don't think was necessary because like it was a that's what an apology is. You don't need to be applauded for an apology. Because an apology by its definition is like an act of contrition. And it's given willingly. You don't need to be encouraged to give an apology. You do it because it's the right thing to do. But by the same token, I also had people like giving me shit for apologizing because you didn't do anything wrong. It's like, it doesn't matter that I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, I was about I to I still say hurt that. the person. It's like, uh, I did see people when you like, because uh, you made like a statement publicly, didn't you? Because obviously, yeah. oh, well, if one person could be offended by this, I want to make sure... Anyone else that hasn't spoken to me about it can know as well. Which is the reason I leave my DMs open. Because even though I don't really respond to messages, I still want people who may have those things and don't want to air them publicly because they'll get made fun of by dickheads mm-hmm. to be able to do them to me. And I do like, reach out to people who send the messages like that so, like, to apologise or like, say thank you if it's something um, uh, a bit personal. But yeah, yeah. And um, obviously you want to keep that, like, thing, uh, that place intact for people to contact you safely but the fact that there were people going well you did nothing fucking wrong like screw that person you didn't intend it that way and it's like just because i didn't intend it that way doesn't mean the person on the other side didn't get hurt yeah and the way i um summed it up is like i can't control how people respond to what i say it's like you can't help if someone what you say might offend somebody what you can do is control your response to when they uh, like tell you that. Yeah. And I think it's not so much what you say as how you respond to people. It's like, you know, getting offended by it is what speaks to your character. Totally, yeah. And the people who do the thing of, well, I shouldn't have to apologise. I didn't do anything wrong. It's like, yeah, but you still hurt somebody. And there's been times in my life where not so publicly, um, you know, I've said something, like said a word or made a statement that somebody's turned around and gone, Oh, well, I don't know if you you know or if you mean it that way, but you could be quite offensive saying that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's on the onus to you there, like then for you to turn around and just make a little moment of like self-reflection of, okay, well, I could attack this person for calling me out or I could just learn from the mistake and apologize. And that's the part that speaks to your character not the initial statement itself. And I think that's something that gets lost in the source a lot mm-hmm. when stuff like this happens, like it did with me. Like It was a completely innocent mistake, but there were two options I had available to me. I could have just, I could have ignored it or I could have even done like someone like Gervais or any of those like shitty internet edgelords done mm-hmm. and made fun of that person of look at them getting offended for literally a joke that they have like taken the wrong way. Yeah. It's like, no. I'm going to take, you know, the actual human route of, oh, it's clearly not something that ever occurred to me because I don't live this person's life. Exactly, yeah. 
And the person who reached out to me was trans themselves. And they said in their message to me that I know you as a person from your videos, and I've watched them for a long time, that you didn't mean it this way, but others might. Exactly, yeah. And I was like, I really appreciate you telling me this, and that's why I made that apology. And it's really telling to people's character when they see something like that and then get mad about it. It's like, nah, fuck the person for getting offended, man. Yeah, and then you go back to the stepping on the toes analogy, no. like, which I'm guessing, like you said it's happened, I've had it happen to me once or twice in the past. And yeah. like someone bumps into you in a queue or something like that, and it's like, oh, mate, excuse me, and they, go, and they tell you to fuck off. They get mad that you call them out for being a dick. Yeah, yeah doing exactly. Something. It's like, oh, well, at first I thought it was an accident, but now I know it's just, you just don't care about other people. Yeah, you're just a fucking arsehole, aren't you? Yeah, uh, it's nice to have that confirmation. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, yep, yeah, and we can, fart, we can bring it all the way around too. Like, that may be something, or like it may a version of something that already exists out there, to my knowledge, I'm pretty sure I came with that independently, but it's not a unique idea. Maybe it's a thing that's already been said or done out there. And I am paranoid about accidentally plagiarizing people. But the, the point... thing is, as we've said, like there's a difference between, oh, maybe you've like heard someone make a similar analogy in the past, and are there like, you know, through your life experiences, you're just kind of taking that and, and forming it into your own opinion or unconsciously mm -hmm. um, reforming those words and opinions. But when it's, oh no, I'm going to like copy and paste someone's fucking work intentionally, that's a lot different. Yeah, but even unintentionally, I'm still scared of it. And something yeah, they course, notice yeah. if they watch a lot of my content is that if I repeat a joke from a comedian, I will, even if it's just like I'm repeating a, a quote from like an internet video, I will always endeavour to clarify who it was who said that statement just so it doesn't get misinterpreted that I am now trying to claim that joke as my own. Yeah. Like even really minor things like and I'll try and uh, I'll usually say in the video like put a clip in which it results in the really funny thing of me saying a comedian or uh, saying a statement from somebody and then having the actual person I'm quoting just say it again which is really strange but I always feel compelled to do that because I'm so scared that I'm going to accidentally um, uh, repeat something from someone that I heard somewhere, n forget where it was and not credit the person properly. And I don't know, like, because I've not watched, like, a large amount of Fat Fiend. I don't watch every single video or anything, but... Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Support. support You're the in the video. You're in them and you don't watch them. I love it. Well, I spend a lot of time watching them in the fucking, like, edit. That's a fair point. I yeah. watch them over and over to edit them, but, um, yeah, have you had it before? Just, like, from your knowledge, at least, that you've gone, oh, X person made this quote, here's the clip, and then it's been, like, someone completely different? I've had that once or twice, and usually they'll um, clarify it. Yeah, they'll be yeah, clarified yeah. in a fact, and I do feel bad about that as well. And it's to the point where I adore stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy is, like, I fucking love that shit. I love, like, watching comedians perform, and I have not watched a stand-up comedy show uh, in about five or ten years. Um, is that like live, do you mean? Live comedy shows and just on Netflix and on TV. Oh, um, so you haven't even watched like all the comedy specials on Netflix and stuff like that? Nope, don't watch any of them. And, all right. Um, I, I largely, that's when I started performing comedy myself because yeah. I was so scared that I would accidentally, that I would in, like imbibe a joke from a comedian or an observation or something like that and forget where I heard it 
and then through the lens of my own experiences while I was writing jokes, accidentally write the same joke again. Yeah, like accidentally which, incorporate it into something you're writing or doing, yeah. Which is a thing that can happen. Like, um, it's called... Oh, what's it now? Uh, simultaneous Invention. It's a thing that's happened multiple times in the past. Where I Do you mean like the it. Dennis the Menace situation? Yeah, where people don't know what that is. It's Dennis the Menace. There is two Dennis the Menace's comics. Um, one in Britain, one in the America, that were released on the same day... Um, a continent apart, like one in America, one in the United, uh, one in Britain. It turns out it was a complete coincidence. Yeah, uh, just two writers had the same idea at the same time, and like in you can expand that to like the world of invention, like the telephone that was was invented simultaneously in multiple places, multiple times at different points in history. <laughs> and then you have it in the world of film, where you'll have uh, they're called twin films, where films with almost the exact same premise will release near enough around the same time because yeah. two writers were inspired by the same event and internalised that to the same film like Deep Impact and Armageddon two films about meteors threatening Earth and they were in cinemas in the same time <laughs> that is a big famous example and like I'm worried about that happening just on a smaller scale with a joke of like oh I see an observation in the news made by like a comedian on a panel show Yeah, internalise yeah. it forget that I saw it on that and then while writing a joke later in time like make the same joke because I've seen the same uh, had the same observation to that event but then like ran it through my memory which just I'm thinking like it's a weird thing but I, I've not watched comedy like in like five years because of that and I think that is a totally like fair enough way to do it I think that's probably it's on a bit the extreme. extreme end it is yeah, how, to, how to do it but yeah I mean fair enough for your commitment to not wanting to steal jokes from people. Yeah, it's like it's. I am on the. I. It's admittedly very extreme, but like I said, I had that very, very um, uh, harrowing experience of being accused of stealing my own joke on stage, <laughs> and it made me super paranoid about me ever doing that ever again because that experience was so so awful. God, like, I can't uh, believe I don't... how frustrating that would have been to have to stand there and know in your head. That yeah, I, I right. made this fucking joke. But have literally the entire crowd turn on me in an instant and know I've still got a three minutes set left to do. Yeah. And I had to do a set and it was in complete silence and it was harrowing. Oh, God. And I think I never want to have that accusation leveled at me again, even like whether fairly or not. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's, And that's one of the reasons why I will endeavour to, in videos, if I am like half remembering or referencing um, another piece of content, or a video, or a quote, or even a joke, I will always try my hardest to acknowledge where that joke comes from, and usually will encourage the editors to put a clip in of the original so people know where I got it from. Yeah, with yeah. credit. So it's like they're getting like fully credited with like you know visual credit as well as um, audible from me. Because I'm that paranoid yeah. about it. That's why <laughs> like, I, I asked, because obviously um, I am the editor of just Wiki Weekends, where... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are like reading and riffing off a wiki article. So a lot of the quotes and stuff will be something that is guaranteed to be like from said comic book character or whatever it is. Yeah. And you can see it, but it's, uh, yeah. And then you compare that to Philip Mution. Yeah. Do you think he ever has that thought? I, I mean, know for a fact that he wouldn't do because. He's physically had to go watch like a Dead Cells review, for example, on a small YouTube channel. When, yeah, that's the one I'm gonna fucking steal. Yeah, 
And I said my is a very extreme approach to doing this, but the fact that I have that thought at all will show that I have a deep, deep respect for like this medium and this way of earning a living. And that's why, especially joke writing is one that I get really, really, um, like, uh, for one of the few things that I get angry and animated about when I'm talking about, because you cannot, jokes cannot be copyrighted. It's one of the few pieces of writing that cannot be copyrighted and you cannot be sued in a court of law for stealing jokes. I'm presuming, like, um, this is in reference to just, for example, stand-up, whereas if it's written jokes within, like, a script, yeah, obviously that's, that's the different. thing, yeah. So let's say, for example, I go on stage and do a five-minute stand-up set. I yeah. tell some jokes. Someone else could go up on stage. Someone could take every single one of those jokes, the same delivery. Like, we talked about, you know, that guy who did the Lee Max set. Like, he literally yep. went up and did Lee Max set, a famous comedian set on stage, on the on the world stage, because it went so viral, because it's like, oh, check out this great Australian comedian who's killing it. <laughs> on the, and Lee Max, that's my joke. Other than, like, you know, the court of public opinion and just his career basically fizzling and dying live, live on air, which is great, seeing someone's career die on its ass. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> but other than that, he like, Lee Mack had no recourse. And he got Even away. though he probably has recorded footage of him making those jokes because yeah, he's always the, on TV, etc. It is the most obvious case of plagiarism to prove because you can just place the two videos side by side. Even the delivery is the same. Yeah. And you cannot um, sue for that. But something with like Philip Mution who was more sneaky about it and like reworded some words and changed it just enough to try and not get caught, Yeah, that still comes up as plagiarism. And you can um, be sued for that, say if that was being done in a book or an academic journal or something like that. And that's the uh, thing with comedy where if, like say Lee Mack had taken his set, written it down, and then put it in a TV show, yeah, that would be copyrightable. But performing it live on stage means it's not. Mm-hmm. And, um... and that's the annoying thing about it. And I think there's a push to make it like, let us trademark jokes. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, but, but I was going to say, that. like the um, the reason that, like I keep bringing up the fact that it's really sneaky that he, uh, Philip Mution used videos is because it's very videos easy. Don't have written scripts. Yeah, it's very easy for me to like copy and paste, um, one of his written articles into Google and go, oh, this is where he got it from. Yes, um, and you've got there's a lot of um, third party software that'll do that. It's Turnitin, it yeah. is um, an academic one that's used quite a lot. But um, I forget what it is I had to use because when I very first um, got into writing for today, I found out um, they made me sign up with a website that checks for plagiarism. Oh, okay, cost, yeah. It cost five cents a time to do because it checks fucking everywhere. And I remember because I would get reimbursed for putting my work through this. Oh, okay. So, uh, so I'd like say, for example, I wrote an article. Um, I'll send an invoice for $100 for the article plus an extra five cents remuneration <laughs> for running it through his plagiarism. So fair credit. They made me do it, but then they then reimbursed me for this thing. And after a while, like, the editor of that website, Dave, and was like, look, you don't have to do this anymore. You've been writing me for two years. I know that you do original research and stuff. I have mm-hmm. to do some new writers. And I'm really, I was so happy to be afforded <laughs> just that trust. And to see someone abuse it and like, but you can't do that, for example, like you're saying, with the video. Yeah. Because videos don't have written, they may have written scripts, but they don't exist online. And I think the only reason that he got caught out is because um, the person that made the video went to 
IGN and was like, oh, let's read this Dead Cells review. And was like, hmm. And he, was, he saw his own words staring back at him. Yeah, and then was like, made a video like, um, can anybody on the internet please fucking help? Like, this guy just stole my review almost every, word for word. Yeah. Because and it he picked was, up a bit of steam and people noticed it, yeah. And then they start, and then Philip Mewshin being the huge raging bellend that he is, like, no, I didn't steal anything. I've never stolen a thing in my life. Um, I invite people to try and find out and prove I've stolen stuff, which they oh, did. That was the bit that killed his career. <laughs> immediately, because that's the thing as well. It's not even that he plagiarized; it's that he knew in his head he was a serial plagiarist, but he thought he was smart enough to get away with it. He did. And it's, some people are smart enough to get away with crimes, but I'm not going to say the people who can do that are the people who ste- who are so uncreative they can't even write their own reviews of video games. <laughs> Something they supposedly enjoy doing. Yeah, and that's one very strange thing as well because a lot of people obviously said that, oh, IGN, like, how dare you have not, like, you know, done your background checks enough. It's like, we and do. they were like, we do. And he was very sneaky about it. But also, when you're in game journalism, which is um, enthusiast, like, you know... Um, it's an enthusiast medium, yeah. It's an enthusiast medium, yeah. Like, you are all working under the assumption that, right, this is a job that is, like, you know, it pays fine. It doesn't have a lot of great amount of, like, celebrityism to it or anything like that. You get a lot of shit for it. So, cool. realistically, the only people trying to break into that medium are people who really give a fuck. They really like video games. And they exactly. want to share their passion for the medium. But, and yeah, apparently not. That was my favourite thing about what that guy did when he responded to it. Where it's like, oh man, I love video games, but I didn't have time to write my review. It's like, but you had time to go and transpose <laughs> an entire video. Like that takes more effort. Oh god. It, yeah. it, like some of the things that he did literally took more effort than just writing an original thought about the video game. And then when it comes out that it's actually dozens, it's like, oh, did you not have time then either? Is that's the thing of like uh, we we talked about it briefly when we were discussing like Instagram. Um, influencers where they try so hard to find ways to game and rig the system so they can get followers. It's like, yeah, if yeah. the amount of effort you're putting in, wouldn't it be easy to just develop a personality? <laughs> yeah. Like, the fact that you're putting all this effort into plagiarizing, wouldn't it be easier to just write the fucking review? Which makes me think Probably. he's not a good writer. Uh, yeah, yeah, I imagine not. Like, he's definitely... He's, like, that's the thing. If he was a good writer, he wouldn't have needed to do this. Yeah. Totally, so it, and that's the, that's what makes it so funny. That he's trying to get back into the industry. Like the one thing you're known for is being so shit at a job that is piss easy for someone who likes video games. So I'm not saying reviewing something is easy, but if you like video games and are a good writer, that is the dream job. That is like the sweetest gig imaginable. It's like oh, yeah, I exactly. get paid money to do what I do anyway, which is just like play articula- and talk about video games. Yeah, I'm being literally paid to do something I do for free anyway. Yeah. And I can't do that. Why would we do so <laughs> Like the one thing, it's like a comedian not writing their own jokes. Yeah. And it baffles that... me that like, okay, you know, for example, if it was possible to like, I don't know, um, fake being a world-class footballer. It's like, yeah, but... there's a shit ton of money and fame involved in that. Well, Lucas... Uh, finish your, uh, your analogy, but there is a story about that, and we can end on it because it's great. Okay, well, I was just going to say, I, I kind of get why someone would go to all of the effort 
of faking that for the amount of fucking fame, fame and, and wealth glory. included. But when it's fucking talking about video games on a website, it's like, oh, God damn it. The amount of effort you put in for so little gain. You yeah. risked so much for so little. Exactly. He's like, it's almost heroic. <laughs> almost. Like, he, should, he should get a statue. It's great. <laughs> like, he cheated so hard, Lucas, for so little. For so little. You've got to love it. I, I cheated so hard to get semi-famous as a video game reviewer. Yeah, I feel like it's almost as if, you know, somebody in school, for example, went through hours and hours to find ways to cheat to end up getting, like, a D on the exam. Yeah, it's so strange. It's like, oh, I cheated to get into, like, fuck a hairdressing class in college. It's like, anyone can do that. Yeah, and to clarify, you know, I'm not trying to lessen um, the actual career of being in games journalism. It's something that, like, I'm obviously passionate about games. Yeah. And it's something that I really like doing is playing games, talking about games. I'm not trying to dunk on the profession. It's just compared to, like, every other career path you could have chosen to try and cheat your way into. It's like, why that one? Yeah. And as I mentioned, if you are somewhat talented at writing and like video games, it is the perfect career. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's like sometimes there's a big time deadline. Yeah, of but course. It's, it's, yeah, there is troubles in every career, but that is something that. Oh yeah, if you again, if you enjoy writing, enjoy playing games, surely that's like one of the best fucking things you could aim to do in your life. Yeah, and why the fuck would you mess it up? And we've, I think we've talked enough about that. And we can end we have, on yeah. a wonderful story about one Carlos Kaiser. Because you mentioned, like, I can't. Uh, it wouldn't be a realistic thing, but cheating your way into being a professional football player, that's something you can see someone like, you know, risking it all for. And that's yeah. a real thing that happened. And I'm very confused because how do you fake that shit? Well, this is based on so let's I am now it's not plagiarism because I fucking wrote this. Okay. <laughs> but the article has yet to be released and this is an article I wrote for today. I found out I'm gonna double check when I wrote it. Because it's still not gone up yet, and I think this sums up how much I wrote for that website. Oh, my God. This was written by me four years ago. Holy shit. And it's still in their archives because they still have enough articles written by me to put one up a week. Oh, my God. So this is why I am so passionate about writing and why, you know, it's piss easy if you're good at it or you're, you know, you're passionate because I wrote enough articles for one website that four years later, there's still ones I've not published yet. <laughs> anyway... Um, so this is not plagiarism because I fucking wrote this shit, but I am just going to go through it and uh, hopefully people won't get a not. Uh, hopefully Dave and won't get mad if they eventually do make a video out of this or talk about it on their podcast. Yeah. And this is because uh, I've still got access to the archives because I go in there every now and again just to double check research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, like sometimes I'll go, oh, I remember something. Oh, but I wrote an article about that for this website. Let's go check the research and like just double check. Anyway. So this is a story about Carlos Kaiser. And you know what? I'm going to read it in its entirety. Okay, yeah. And you can just interject when you want, because this is a really, really interesting story. And it's obviously not going to get told for a while if uh, David's happy to leave it in the archives for four years. <laughs> titled Carlos Kaiser, the Forrest Gump of Football. So the game of soccer, henceforth refer to football to state my English sensibilities. Uh, so fun fact, um, I write these articles, or I wrote these articles, I should say, um, to be read out by, allowed by Simon Whistler. Ah, uh, so you write it in that perspective. 
Yeah, so I write it, or uh, when I found out these would be made into videos, I wrote them with the idea in mind. They would be um, eventually read out loud by an Englishman with a, p a posher accent than mine. So uh, I continue. It's full of players who have achieved almost legendary status. Perhaps the most legendary of all is Brazilian striker Carlos Enrique Raposo. If only because he managed to collect a salary for 20 years and only played about 30 games. Um, so, um, again, uh, well, not again, but for people who may not know why that's a big deal, I hopefully in this article, so Carl from four years ago, clarifies. Before we talk about that, though, a disclaimer. They'll know, now, although we know that a man called Carlos Raposo exists and that he probably played football in some capacity, the veracity of what we're about to tell you is difficult to ascertain. To explain, Raposo's entire career, supposedly two decades long, uh, is the product of a number of lies and years of subterfuge on his behalf, and it's only claimed that despite being signed for dozens of teams over the years, he only ever played a handful of games, for reasons we'll get to in the meat of this article. As a result, evidence of his career is sparse at best, and it's hard to say with any certainty how much of what we're about to tell you is true. With this in mind, we ask, what we're about to, we ask you to take what we're about to tell you with a pinch of salt and know that we've endeavoured me, not we. I have to say we. Because <laughs> you have to write from this This is a team of people writing this. Exactly, it was all, yeah. But it was all fucking me. To tell you the most accurate possible version of this story. To the point that our author, me, uh, went as far as enlisting the help of a Spanish friend to read through all the foreign language sources that inevitably cropped up while researching this. Which I actually had to do. I had to get someone who spoke <laughs> Spanish and translated. This is a true story. I know someone and their job, and this is the most boring job I'm ever, I've ever heard of, their job is translating washing machine repair manuals into German and Spanish. Oh, my God. So they get sent the, the thing in German, Spanish, or English, depending on where it's been released, and get told, Joe, those booklets you get you never read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, translate it into the other languages that you speak. Oh, my God. And that's their job, and they are they hate their life, but they get paid very well for doing it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and... For anyone who's not too familiar with football, a striker having a career of a two-decade-long career and playing thirty games is fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah. So in like footballers like play English... thirty game, thirty games a year. Well, yeah. In the English league, um, you play like thirty-eight matches. You're just in the like the Premier League now or whatever league you're in, and then you also like probably have matches in other cups as well. Yeah, uh, so playing 30 games in 20 years is, like, virtually unheard of. So, let's begin by telling you the story of Carlos Raposo's life the way he's been telling it. So, born in 1963 in Brazil as a youth, like many of his peers, Raposo harboured dreams of being a famous football star. The only problem was that he possessed no real affinity for the sport whatsoever. However, what Raposo did have was the athletic build of a footballer, an incredibly charming personality, and a host of high-profile friends who were more than happy to do him favours. Individuals who it's claimed uh, are friends with Raposo include Emundo Alves de Souza, um, Romario de Souza Faria, um, the latter of whom is consistently ranked as one of the greatest football players of all time. So um, some of his friends include the greatest footballers to have ever lived. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. So, yeah. so his alleged modus operandi at the beginning of his career was to call one of his more talented friends and assign the new club and simply ask for a three-month trial, which they were usually more than happy to do. During his interview, Raposo would formally request time to get fit before attending a proper training session, at which point he uses formidable athleticism to make an impression on the club's coaches, who assume his ability to run and lift weights would translate into tangible footballing skill. You know, which is fair, especially considering he was being recommended by very talented footballers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, after this, as soon as he attended a proper training session, we was expected to do anything more than run and jump, Raposo would feign a crippling injury by kicking a ball as hard as he could and falling to the ground, clutching his hamstring. A common <laughs> injury for footballers. Oh, God. So, a tactic that works surprisingly well due to the fact that things like MRI machines, which could have diagnosed the injury in seconds, weren't yet commonplace. To quote Raposo himself about his unorthodox method of making the cut, there were no MRI scanners in those days, so they had to believe me. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so once he was declared injured, Raposo could safely wait out the rest of his trial period without worrying about playing and still collect a paycheck. To keep his teammates on his side, Raposo would arrive at hotels his teams were due to stay in a few days earlier, specifically to fill them with local women to entertain his friends in between matches. Oh, fucking hell. In the process, netting more contacts, he'd be willing to sing his praises when he inevitably applied, uh, when he inevitably applied to another club. So the idea here is, um, oh, calls up one of his many friends of, oh, yeah, would you put in a word for me for a trial? That yeah. asks the the player the player will go to his manager. Is this a, is he a good guy? Oh, he's great. I love him. I'd love to be on our team again. Yeah, yeah. Getting him. So it's that thing of like you've got to grease the wheels a little bit, and once you're in one, you've got, you're in them all. Oh man. So it says here that uh, Raposo would also constantly talk on a cell phone in perfect English, telling friends that he was t- in talks with clubs in Europe that were interested in signing him to scare managers into either extending his contract or raising his wages. <laughs> According to Raposo, the phone was a toy, and although he spoke fluent English, he just spout gibberish um, statements into the receiver since he knew none of his teammates or his managers could understand him. <laughs> so all they would do, they'd just get word of, oh, do you know Raposo is speaking to some guy in Europe? Is he? Yeah, oh God, we better give him more money then. Yeah, extend his <laughs> contract, give him more money, man. Um, when his time with a given club came to an end, Raposo would simply repeat the formula with another club, and according to him, it worked. With the brazen Brazilian claiming to have played for a host of well-known Brazilian clubs during his career, including Vasco da Gama, Botafogo, and Flamengo, as well as having brief stints in France, Mexico, America, and Argentina. Raposo okay. to score these lucid pieces onto a combination of his contacts and the good press he was able to spin that into. For example, Raposo's claim. For example, Raposo claims that numerous column inches were dedicated to him in his native Brazil while he was playing there. And although he never scored a single goal, his name was always flanked by words like gunner and scorer, adjectives cherry picked from quotes by legends of the sport whom he called his friends. So what he'd do is he'd just single out. Oh, here's an article in a Brazilian newspaper that I'm in. And look at the quotes that are using it. Like, oh man, what a, like he's um, a cannon for a foot when he's yeah. actually written about one of the people he played alongside. But he played alongside these very good players. Well, if he's in the same caliber as these players, he must be good. <laughs> and he says here that sometime during his career, Raposo adopted the nickname the Kaiser as a nod to the legendary German player Franz Beckenbauer, who was known for playing, who was known for known by the same moniker due to his dominance and leadership while playing. If it wasn't clear from the rest of his article, Raposo gave this nickname to himself. <laughs> and again, being so closely associated with such a legendary footballer only made him look like a more attractive prospect to sign. Yeah. It says here, though. And I, uh, Lucas, so far, thoughts on this legend? This is a fucking hustle. This is a, I, I hope they make a movie about this one, though. Like, this <laughs> is, like, I, the Forest Gump of football is not an inaccurate description of this guy. He just stumbled <laughs> ass backwards in success. The thing is, though, I don't think he stumbled. This was all very intentional. It was all very calculated. 
And so we have here, although Raposo usually avoided stepping on the field like it was covered in landmines, I'm proud of that joke, <laughs> there were occasions on which he wasn't able to avoid doing so. And as a result, he does appear to have a legitimate traceable football record, albeit a very hazy one that's mostly in Spanish and French. For example, he uh, played a single game with the Brazilian team Bango, or Bangu, and there's a purported newspaper headline from this time he was signed that roughly translates to, the Bangu already has its king, Carlos Kaiser. <laughs> According to one source, Raposo was able to avoid playing in his first game with the team when he was brought on to substitute for another player by intentionally getting into a verbal argument with the fans from the sidelines, thus getting the referee to send him back to the locker room before he'd even stepped onto the pitch. Oh my god. For abusive language. Raposo was then able to somehow spin this into another an extension of six months to his contract by telling his by telling the president of the club um, that the a person he was arguing with had called him a thief. Oh no. <laughs> so when the president of the club called him and went, why the fuck did you get sent off in your first five minutes? Oh, I was doing it to defend your honour, he called you a thief. Oh, man. And then he got a six-month extension to his contract. Oh. oh. Later the in thing his... is, like, I was going to say, if he um, occasionally plays a match, the thing is, I think most footballers, when they come back from an injury, have a bit of a shit few games anyway. Yeah. So you could kind of, like, if he did have to play a match, just play it off as like, oh, well, I haven't played in a while. My hamstring's still feeling a bit... But bear in mind, Lucas, as well, something I should point out about this guy is he literally never scored in a goal with single his entire career. That's amazing. His, his position was striker, which yeah. I'll get to in a moment. So, later in his career, Raposo moved to France and signed with a Division 2 team called, I'm going to pronounce this awfully, uh, Simon Whistle will pronounce it right, but I'm not going to, uh, Gazalek Ajacio, where he made sporadic appearances, mostly limited to kicking the ball up the field and showboating for the crowd, who were more interested in the novelty of having a supposed Brazilian legend on their team in his actual performance. Um, <laughs> in his first ever game with the team, Raposo was able to avoid playing entirely by simply walking onto the pitch and kicking every single ball available into the crowd while warming up. <laughs> his team, thinking he was playing to the crowd, which was quite large, larger than usual, um, and filled people eager to see their team's new Brazilian superstar, allowing him to do this, not realising that Raposo had kicked literally every single ball they had lying around. When the time came to start the match with no ball, the two teams called it a draw and exercise for 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a fucking legend! Oh, like, What a fucking amazing hero this guy is. Jesus Christ. Like, do you know what, Philip Mution? This is how it's done. It is. This is how you like. This is if you want. If he plagiarised and ended up somehow like writing speeches, like for Oscar nominations or something, then I'd be impressed. But no, man, you have to do it in like review dead cells. God. <laughs> so as Raposo played in a time before extensive online stat tracking and ubiquitous sports coverage, we have no way of knowing what his career record was. Though most sources say he played around thirty games during his twenty-year career the majority of which were, the were for the aforementioned French team, with whom Raposo claims to have played for, and I quote, 20 minutes per game, a few minutes each season. Oh, man. In addition to this, he never scored a single goal, an impressive feat when you consider that his role on the pitch was striker, for which for non-football fans mean his entire job on the pitch was to score goals. Yeah. 
Uh, he retired from the sport at age 39 and remained amazingly unrepentant about his deception, openly admitting in interviews with Brazilian and French press that he regretted nothing about what he did because the clubs he played with treated their players so poorly, being quoted as saying, clubs already deceive so many players, someone had to be the avenger of those guys. <laughs> Today, Raposa makes ends meet as a personal trainer and he occasionally gives interviews about his career, which he continues to embellish upon endlessly, making the veracity of his frankly amazing life story, quite sadly, impossible to know the full extent of. Yeah, yeah. And then we have some bonus facts. Would you like to hear some uh, bonus facts? Hell yeah. So we've got bonus facts in Brazil. Raposa is sometimes referred to affectionately as the Forrest Gump of football as an obvious nod to the fact he basically stumbled ass-backwards through his career and was somehow still able to come out on top. <laughs> like that one about him kicking all the balls off the pitch is fucking amazing. That, that is great. Like that is I, that is a next-level hustle. Just, oh, um, we realised that we had no fucking ball to play with. And then we have here, um, this is my favourite one. While researching the piece, our author, me, Carl, hello, noted that the number 171 kept being referred to in Spanish-language pieces about Reposo. After some digging, I found out that this is slang in Brazil for scam or con man because Article 171 of the Brazilian Penal Code quite fittingly defines crimes of fraud. <laughs> and what a fucking amazing story. So, Lucas, did you think that when you said, oh, there's no way you can cheat your way into a career as a f- professional football player, that there was going to be a story about a guy who did exactly that? I had no fucking clue. I was like, you know what? Um, oh, okay. Off the top of my head, what's something that would be impossible to fake? Yeah, oh, well, being like a professional athlete. What's the most ridiculous thing you could pretend to be an expert at and get away with? And apparently you can do that too. And you set me up so perfect for that. And I'm glad that's not been published yet. But that's an old ass article from my days writing for today. I found out that's sadly not gone up yet because that's an amazing story. And to my knowledge, um, I am the only person who's ever done a full breakdown of that guy's life story in English. Oh, wow. Because literally every source I consulted was in fucking Spanish. <laughs> now I had to get that mate in, and I had to pay him. So I got yeah. paid. The, ma- the money I got paid for writing that article went straight to that guy for translation services. I felt so bad because, like, yeah, it took him all day to like translate it and then send me the um, uh, the gist of what was going on. Yeah, and I had to yeah. double-check claims that I was making. So I like run it through Google Translate and then getting to double check it again. But I was like, by that point, I was so intrigued by the guy that I have <laughs> to tell this story because there's no English version. There's no English version of this out there. I want to be the first. And I'm hoping now that what happens is Philip Mution listens to this really and copy and paint so. and transcribes what I just said and writes that <laughs> article. <laughs> and then when you it comes out... He can solve plagiarising Fat Fiend instead. And then when it comes out and today I found out, people are like, wow, you plagiarised Philippe Mution for this one. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's like behind the scenes. But oh my God, fuck plagiarists all the way in the ass. They can eat my ass with a spoon. I have no respect and no sympathy for anyone who gets um, accused and found out of that sort of thing. Yeah, zero. 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 But uh, before we close off, Lucas... Um, is there anything you would like to um, uh, like plug? Uh, yeah, I've got a, a new website. It's called Fact Fond. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the thing um, where it was a uh, mate of mine, Rogan? He said, what you should do if your channel ever gets um, demonetized completely is just make a new channel with all the same videos called Information Pervert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, oh, God. Just, 
<laughs> yes, that's the one. Information pervert. Oh, God, it is. Oh, and yeah, fact. I do have like actual things to put. I'm not making fact fond, don't worry, Carl. Don't make fact fond. Do, oh. uh, you should make fact fond, it'd be great. <laughs> do you know Matthew, like, fuck Matthew Santoro on that as well. That guy steals everything. Oh, God, apparently so, yeah. Oh, but do, yeah, do you, you know, can. Uh... I was going to say, do you know he made a website? I'm going to find it out now because, like, so oh, many God, people. Did he? Fought... Yeah, he made, like, a fact of a day type website. I'm going to tell you the name of it. Was it Information Pervert? No, it's not. It's not that. Thing. Uh, what's his website? Uh, let's double check it now. Uh, career. Oh, he's, I like how I'm going on to his career here, and it says that um, he's been caught by other YouTubers plagiarizing word for word from this verse, which I wrote for, and he plagiarized that. Oh, man. Yeah, that's why I hate that guy, because he would plagiarize people's articles word for word. Oh, um, but it was a website he made that everyone thought. There you go, website. What did he make? Oh, God damn it. It must be his Instagram. He made like a shitty Instagram thing where all he did was... Oh, right. I'm going to find it, Lucas. Because it's like one of those things like everyone thought he nicked it off me. And then it's like, you're going to click on it and it's going to be like the latest Fat Fiend article up there. It's like, oh, no. Oh, here we go. It's amazing facts you didn't know. No, that's just his thing. Damn it. Ah, right. Yeah, I think that's just the the name of his shitty YouTube channel. Damn it. Where am I going to find it? Maybe he deleted the fucking thing. I can't find it on his his um his Wikipedia page. You would have thought though, if he had like any self respect, he would have deleted his fucking YouTube channel by now. No, because it still makes a shit ton of money. It does. It makes a it's, shit ton. It's, it's one of those things that just keeps making uh, money because it's just there. Well, it's Maybe one we... of those things that even though I um I think once I said to YouTube, don't recommend this to me, it still comes up every now and then. Yeah, because their um, fact websites are super popular. It's why I make them. Maybe it's yeah. on like Wikitubia. Fuck, are we doing this now? Oh god, no, Carl. We're on it. He's going into the, the dark web. Good old Wikitubia, eh? Uh, why does, yeah, why doesn't it have, like, his fucking other projects? Maybe he has, um, like, tried to rinse it from people's memories. But he made, like, oh, man, it's just, it's the name. It's the name that does it. Oh, here we go, Associates, no, Facebook. Instagram. Because I know he's not going to be listed on his fucking Instagram page, because he's, he's probably deleted that shit immediately. <gasps> no, it is, I've got it. Right, do you want to take a guess at, like, uh, what his, um, uh, his secondary thing that he makes called Fact Maniac? Oh, no. And people thought that he ripped it off of me. I went, no, he's not ripped off of me. It's just like, you know, he had a similar idea when making the name. Yeah. And do you know why I know that? Because he's, like, he's not even gone to the effort of ripping off originally researched things because... I checked, and I think I did a breakdown on Twitter when I first became aware of this. Yeah. Um, literally, every single one of his Fact Maniac facts is a copy and pasted Today I Learned headline. No. Yeah, so Joe, Today I Learned, it's a yeah. the Reddit thing, I'm like, oh, new facts for today. It's just the headline from that. Copy pasted over an image that he got from a stock image website with his own thumbnail on it, on his own Oh, man. So That's fucking bad. Which means that he couldn't even go to the effort of plagiarizing the original, uh, the article it's based on. He plagiarizes the titles. He he plagiarizes fucking headlines on Reddit. Yeah, that's how fucking lazy. He can't even be bothered to click and see if the thing that he's doing is real. Because I double checked like some of the old ones, and almost all of them are just that, and they even link to the same. Um, uh, oh page. no. 
and some of those ones no longer exist. I'm not surprised. Which means that he sees the headline, copy-paste a link that he doesn't even bother checking. Because the link no, it leads to a place that no longer exists. Yeah, or it's like, yeah. you know, um, it's faded. And it's now, like, you know, been bought out by another website. Yeah. Man. What a bell end. Yeah. I thought that guy was... <laughs> well, that, that's what I found funny, because I was going to get the name, but I also wanted to, like, clarify, yeah, he doesn't even go to the effort of plagiarising the original. Like, he plagiarised the fucking titles. Yeah, he plagiarises the Reddit <laughs> title instead. How, sh- how shit are you at your job <laughs> when you can't even be bothered to do the... Like, your whole thing is stealing stuff from other people and you can't go to the effort of walking through the front door. <laughs> like, he, he's like stealing people's letterboxes. Like, do you reckon he's just... Oh, you stood outside the window. Hey, can you pass me your TV? Yeah, he's, he's a thief who can't even be done with the effort of kicking your front door down. <laughs> it's fucking unbelievable. Anyway, sorry, I had to, I had to do that. Oh, no, sorry go for that it, tangent. Oh. That's the one that people thought that he'd ripped it off of me. And I got and I checked him and went, no, he's not even done that. Because I'd have been, I'd been more impressed if he ripped me off because it would have required him to reword a 500-word article, <laughs> which I would admit would take some degree of skill Yeah. to reword a 500-word article into, like, you know, one... Um, sentence facts but, no, but obviously no. that's too much effort copy and paste man copy and paste yeah, copy and paste control c control v <laughs> look at that the new matthew santoro keyboard as as advertised by philip mution <laughs> right, what you got in it well, so what is it you're gonna do it's not fact fond oh uh, no 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 so uh you know i do have my gaming channel and i do stream games as well so both on Twitch and YouTube, you can find me at Legend of Kanto, yeah. and then you can find me on Twitch at no, Twitter and Instagram at Kanto Legend underscore. Yeah, and then come find mine at um, Legend of Johto. <laughs> so totally original. It was um, almost called Legend of Johto, but Johto doesn't quite have the same um, like name branding that yeah, Kanto, Kanto does. Kanto has the hard K. It does, yeah. Um, which is um, better for memory recognition. Mm-hmm. Like K sticks out in the mind, um, uh, which is why the word Kodak exists. But I'll go off on another fucking like hour-long tangent <laughs> because I'll recall another article that I wrote about that very thing. So we'll just we'll call it there and just say thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Fuck plagiarists and have the week that you deserve. Thank you.